0: My name's Jim Derrick, and welcome to another edition of Chapters. Today's program marks the beginning of a series of programs we'll be doing honoring our nation's veterans. We're joined in studio today by Rick Grover, a veteran who served during Operation Desert Storm, a conflict that has been overshadowed in time and forgotten by many in our nation. So stay tuned for a conversation with Rick as he shares with us the story of serving and talks to us about why we must never forget Operation Desert Storm and all those that served. All that more coming up next on Chapters. My name is Jim Derrick, and welcome to another edition of Chapters. This is the first program of one of a series of programs we're going to do honoring our veterans. And we're going to do that through storytelling. And that's what this show is. We believe that everybody has a story, and every story is worth telling. And uh, that couldn't be uh, any more true than uh, the stories that our veterans have and that they carry with them every day. And I am honored to have in studio with me today. A, a veteran of Desert Storm, Rick Grover. Welcome, Rick. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Thank you for sharing your story. Um, a little bit of the backstory: I, I uh, work with Rick on a project, and I happened to be sitting next to him and found out that he was a veteran of this conflict. And he brought to my attention uh, that this is a forgotten conflict. Yeah, it is. And it really sat me back on my in my chair, Rick. Yeah. Um. And so I went home and I started doing the reading and that really refreshed my memory. And I realized uh, just how much I had forgotten. So I'm really glad you're here. Uh, you served in the Navy. I did. Yes. And and when were you deployed? I uh, deployed in uh, ninety one. Ninety one. So just to just for those of us that, that can't remember this conflict, um, this was a conflict that Happened between uh, January 17th and February 28th of 1991, and what we accomplished mm-hmm. is nothing short of amazing.
1: No, it's incredible. It's one of the uh, quickest. It is the quickest war in uh, our history. Mm. Forty-two days. Mm-hmm. Rick, can you take us back and remind us of of the mission? Iraq had invaded Kuwait. Yep, and um, we formed a coalition with other countries, and we um, we all deployed to the area, to liberate Kuwait mm-hmm. from Iraq. Mm-hmm. Uh, and as you had mentioned previously, we were successful in, in doing so. That's for sure. Um, and it it
0: is, and it remains to be, the, the largest amount of coalition partners Correct. led victory in our history.
1: Absolutely. In the world's history. In the world's history.
0: An amazing thing.
1: It, it is, really is. And, and how well, in such a short time, everybody operated together is incredible. It's incredible to, to you know to think about it. I mean, if you think about the the amount of coalitions that were involved and, and groups and stuff and everybody has their, their ways of, you know, handling war and handling, you know, everything and, and to, to get everybody on the same page in such a short period of time and, and have such a successful outcome in such a quick period of time is just it's incredible it's leadership
0: you know you know i hadn't even thought about that until you just said that Mm. um that it's it's remarkable when we think about what we're trying to do now just across the aisle with democrats and republicans to get them to talk
1: we can't even do that yeah
0: so um general general schwarzkopf Mm -hmm. was 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 instrumental absolutely in this Mm -hmm. um of course george h.w bush was the president and um i will never forget being at medway i was in a bar and i looked up at the television and saw the first uh shots being fired uh Mm -hmm. the light up i can still see the green on the tv screen and it was a surprise of course yes it was and um and there we went but um you know the rest of the story and we're, we're gonna dig into rick's story um it's so so informative but just to kind of bury the lead on this the rest of the story is that to this day we do not commemorate the anniversary of the uh victory we we
1: never have we
0: never have. And when I say we, I'm talking about the United States of America.
1: That's correct. We've never uh, never had a, an anniversary, if you will, mm-hmm. for um, either the start nor the finish, you mm-hmm. know, mm-hmm. So well, more the finish. But. It kind of takes the,
0: the, the breath away from me because uh, as I was doing the reading for the show prep on this, I, I'm reading along, and Scott Stump, who is the president and founder of the National Desert Storm War Memorial Association, and I'd really like people to take Take a minute and jot that down and look it up if you can. Mm-hmm. Um, but he was, um, he was invited by the Canadian government up to their 25th commemoration. Their 25th right. on the 25th anniversary. Mm-hmm. And we don't have any such thing, do we, Rick?
1: No. Uh, on our 25th anniversary, we uh, through Scott, we, um, I say we, but them, uh, had formed uh, like a group of people to, to kind of set up a walk. Or a march, if you will, mm-hmm. um, down in washington, and um, i wasn 't able to make that, but it did take place mm-hmm. um, it 's a great website there mm-hmm. is a website attached to uh, to that particular uh, organization and it 's interesting it 's definitely interesting, and it shows that you know little by little you were starting to get some you know senators and, and some people that are on board you know to the, because they needed that right to, to do the memorial, they wanted to put up uh, an actual uh, memorial in Washington. But that hasn't been built yeah. yet. I don't think it's been built I've yet.
0: I've seen no. the architectural renderings.
1: Yes, it uh, has not been built yet, mm-hmm. I don't believe. Mm-hmm. I mean, they're trying to get the funding and everything for that uh, right now. Of course,
0: now, yeah. And George H.W. Bush still sits on the board yes. uh, for this organization. But, yes. um, you know, so here we are, our institutional memory. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is 1991. I I mean, my gosh, I was uh, what was I 31 years old when this mm-hmm. happened. Um, mm-hmm. You said you were 18 years of age when you yeah. deployed. So You know, I guess the point in all of this is uh, and I do want to read this quote and and I want to read this because it's kind of instructive as to what the attitude, the institutional attitude is around um, Desert Storm. And the fact that there are some among you veterans that are saying, hey, guys, we don't want to forget this conflict. And and there's a good reason why. And we'll hear more about that. Mm -hmm. And here is what here is a quote from Lieutenant Colonel Thomas Croson. C-R-O-S-S-O-N. He was a Defense Department spokesman at the time. This goes back to, this was just last year. And he said, we certainly have not forgotten the efforts and sacrifices of those who served during the Gulf War. He added that Stump, Stump's Association, which is the association that we just referred to and Rick is a member of, which gained preliminary approval to build a memorial near the mall and boasts former President George H.W. Bush as its honorary board chairman, is the only group, that has expressed grievances about the lack of a 25th anniversary event. What that says to me, when he says it's the only group, it's almost as if he's trying to brush it off. And on your that that angers me. Like
1: um, yeah, yeah. From obviously from a veteran standpoint, I mean, yeah. you know, yeah, to, to feel like you're pushed away, like you're, you know. You yeah. don't exist, I guess. Right. You know, it, it's troubling. Yeah,
0: it it's is. Troubling. So, Rick, why don't we go back and roll the story back a little bit. You sure. were 18 years of age when you...
1: Yeah, I was 18. I had uh, just gotten out of high school, and I, um, I basically, uh, at that point, I, I didn't really know what I wanted to do. Mm-hmm. So, um, the military was my, my choice mm-hmm. that I made. Uh, I picked the Navy, and I went to boot camp right after I graduated from high school. Um, I left literally a week after. And um, went through my boot camp and did my schooling, and then I had picked my my ship that I was going to be on, mm-hmm. and uh, ended up picking up a minesweeper.
0: And what was the name of the ship?
1: Uh, it was the Affray mm-hmm. out of Newport, Rhode Island,
0: which since then has been decommissioned recently.
1: Yeah, well, it was kind of it's a little interesting to explain. See, uh, the uh, minesweepers are a very small ship. I didn't know that. boat. We like to call it more of a boat because Geez, you
0: would think they'd be huge. Yeah, for the what you're minesweepers
1: doing. are really tiny. They're a tiny uh, wooden wooden boat oh they literally were wooden boats so they didn't sail across the atlantic to to de- when they deployed they were actually heavy lifted by um they, i believe the super servant was the company that was um hired by the government to, to get them over there sure so my my ship the fray was in newport there were three navy minesweepers that were already over there that had been heavy lifted over so what we did was we did uh, rota- uh, rotations Uh, crew rotations Mm -hmm. so the ship stayed over there but we we uh, rotated so Mm -hmm. i was on a leader over there Mm -hmm. in the gulf and uh same as what i was on on you know in newport same boat same configurations and everything like that just uh just a different name Mm -hmm. um so we did that i uh deployed um after 91 and uh, i was over there for about eight months how much notice did you have that you were going over to it was pretty quick we were um when i got out of school we were immediately sent down to uh, South Carolina. Yep. There's a big uh, mine warfare um, place down there. Mm-hmm. And we did a lot of training, up, up training and stuff like that down there. Um, so we kind of had a feeling, and I kind of had a something feeling. Was something was coming. Something was coming with our particular uh, boat. So um, we got word at the beginning of, uh, of the year that we were going to replace the current leader crew. And then literally got in a flight and... You get your stuff in order and and then deploy and so, then they flew and, and, and flew, then flew, the bombs we flew, flew out. out. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. yeah. Yeah, no, you were describing to me just before the show um uh, about your uh, deployment one of the deployment procedures is to get inoculated to get shots. And Correct. can you talk about that procedure and and
1: Yeah, it was um certainly interesting yeah. uh, as an 18-year-old kid, mm-hmm. you know, to go through something like that. Um So part of it was, as you had mentioned, the shots and stuff, make sure you were up to date on your shots and whatnot. So uh, we had lined up a a medical, and I will never forget it because it was like a, a big hallway. And you'd walk down the hallway, and there were doctors and nurses and stuff on each side of you. And as you're walking down this, you know, line you're receiving a shot and they were given through like an air gun Mm -hmm. type of type of shot one on either side one on each side so you walk down the line and you were getting these shots left and right and of course nobody asked any questions you know you're 18 you're brand new you know you don't ask many questions so you walk down you get your shots and then you know at the end of the line your arms are bleeding and having no idea what you just got right um and then basically clean yourself up and You know, and, and, you know, get ready for the second half of whatever it is.
0: And that's an important part of the story, because as we know now, there is something called Gulf War Syndrome. There is, yes. Which is real.
1: It is real. And and has
0: impacted a lot of people.
1: Yeah, I believe I've been impacted by it. Um, We spoke about that again off uh, and off tape here. Yeah. Um, Had some, not initially, initially as an 18 to 20 something year old, you know, I I stayed until I was about 24 uh, and ended up getting out. And uh, I was in really good health. I was always in good health. I played sports, I and whatnot. And then I started coming down with some some different types of issues. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, breathing issues and uh, allergy related stuff. To allergy related to medicines and stuff that I've never had, never had that before. Migraines, uh, stomach issues, and stuff like that. And it was really starting to get. I, was, I think I was more frustrated by it because I couldn't. There was no answer to it. Nobody. Nobody, my doctors couldn't figure it out, and it was it was frustrating for me.
0: Mm. And so you had to run the. uh uh, you're actually in some studies now,
1: you said. Yeah, I did. I uh, I believe it's Mass General, yeah. and, and I apologize if the hospital's wrong, yeah. uh, but I believe it's Mass General that I went into a couple times, and yeah. they are very proactive yeah. with Gulf War uh, illness and veterans yeah. that they, they bring us in. And they've run some tests, medical tests, you know, uh, blood tests and mm-hmm. brain tests and stuff like that. Mm-hmm.
0: I just want to remind everybody, we are speaking with Rick Grover. Rick is a Navy veteran from Desert Storm, which was an enormous victory for us, a six-week push where we did incredible things with uh, uh, a record amount of coalition partners. My name's Jim Derrick. You're listening to Chapters Radio. I can be found on my podcast at chaptersradio.com. So um, I wanted to bring that up, Rick, because um, the one of the expenses, in my mind, on the expense side of the ledger of forgetting or not commemorating events like this, important events, is that we tend to lose our memory. We have a very short attention span. Well, absolutely. Right? Yeah. And so... If history has happened and we forget about it and we forget about and don't commemorate, which is part of forgetting about it, mm-hmm. then we also lose lessons learned. Agreed. Would you agree with that? Absolutely agree with that. Do you feel like that? Do you feel that that's yeah, one I'll, of Because I know, I oh, know you absolutely. well enough to know your humility and how humble you are and you're not trying yeah, to call not, attention to yourself. No, absolutely not. But for you, it's more than that.
1: You yeah, it is. It's, um, you know, I, I mean, I, I, like you would just mentioned, I mean, I know what I did. I know where I was and uh, I know who I served with. And never was I one for, for that kind of stuff. I don't need the other oh, you know, parades and stuff like that. But I do think it's important to, you know, to, to at least remember um, events, especially important events in our, uh, you know, in our history. Mm-hmm. And I just wonder, and I haven't had a chance to uh, speak with any high school students or any teachers or stuff like that. I just wonder if that's part of, like, our history. You know, is it something that's spoken about? And, and it sh- I think it should be. It's an important part. Of our, of our, uh, you know, of our history, and it shouldn't be, it shouldn't be forgotten.
0: No, absolutely not. So take us back to, if you would, mm-hmm. uh, your, your deployment. Um, yeah. And and I kind of interrupted the story, but I think it was yeah. important. Yeah. Um, so you uh, you're deployed, and you get over there, and you know, you know that you're on a minesweeper. Mm-hmm. Yep. And can you talk to me about what the missions that you were on were like? Nerve-wracking. I'll bet.
1: Yeah, nerve-wracking. Um, how big, so, first of all, how many feet was the ship? Um, the minesweeper was about 170 That's feet long. Yeah, it's it compared to a regular Navy frigate, which I would actually, after we decommissioned and the war was over and we decommissioned the uh, the wooden minesweepers, I, I transferred over to a frigate, which mm-hmm. was 470 feet long. Com, I mean, night and day compared to, to what I had come from. Um, but yeah, the minesweeper, and it's a wooden boat. hmm the old saying, and I mentioned it to you, yeah. iron, iron men on wooden ships. <laughs> you better believe you know? it. Um, we didn't have the luxuries that the the sailors and, and whatnot had on on the bigger aircraft carriers and, and even the frigates and stuff like that. You know, they have their stores and, and you know, the ship store and, uh, you know, post offices and stuff like that. We didn't have that luxury because we were so small. You know, we had one doctor on board, and um, he basically— had a very small room to operate out of. Uh, no ship store. so every now and then we'd pull up to a bigger boat and we would be able to go on board and pick up supplies for ourselves um, every two or three weeks maybe. and at that point we'd get mail. So mail was mail was nice to get no, but uh, but compared to your bigger boat that had helicopters flying in on it and we're getting mail every day, we were the smaller boats that didn't have that capability. Mm-hmm. So the only time we got stuff like that was when we were able to tie up on, you know, next to. Yeah. And you're uh, not the, exactly
0: doing benign work on a wooden boat. You're working no. with, uh, you're literally detecting explosives
1: Absolutely. and keeping shipping lanes yeah. open. Well, then that, that was the biggest thing. And we spoke about that. And we can we can talk briefly about well, please, that. Please, please Was do. that um, Iraq, the uh, Iraqi army slash navy, whatever, uh, had deployed uh, mines, bottom mines and moored mines in Kuwait shipping channels. And other specific areas, you know, throughout the Persian Gulf. Um, Of course, they didn't tell us where they were. So our job was to basically, through Intel and stuff like that, to try to locate them. We located them through sonar and stuff like that. So if you can picture basically floating through the water and not having any clue where there may be a bottom mine or a moored mine, and you're relying on an 18, 19-year-old kid who's looking at a sonar screen to locate... And then to have to react and, you know, so you don't set the thing off. I mean, it's a stressful, everyday stressful until the end of the day when you stop and you drop anchor and you just sit there. And you're like, everybody's like, oh, deep breath.
0: I'm getting goosebumps listening to this.
1: It was a very stressful time. It's a very close crew, which I I enjoyed. Mm -hmm. um, From my captain down to the lowest ranked uh, enlisted person, Um, we really, I like to think that we really didn't have ranks on a boat like that, because everything's so small. Right. It's such a small and it's a tight group. Everybody relies on that next person next to you. And I mean, it's like that in every boat and ship and stuff like that, but more because of the, our mi- particular mission. Yeah, your mission and you the know, size relying, of this, the yeah, fact you're on a wooden ship. And it's wooden, yeah. I mean, so these mines go off by contact. They go bo- off by um, sensitivity to uh, metals. And so that's why you touch the wooden ship. Yeah. Okay. Exactly. Yeah. So changes in pressure. So if changes in pressure. So if you're pushing driving over, water. Yep. Yep. A change in density or pressure in the actual water <laughs> would actually set one off. <laughs> so you have to be on your toes. Did you have any go off around you? Uh, we had uh, EOD depl- um, actually detonate one. We had to back way off though because mm-hmm. we, you know you keep, the the effects of it going through the water would actually could potentially shatter the boat. I mean yeah. it's the you know so yeah you have to be we have to be quite a ways away. I yeah. know uh, there was. Two ships. One during Desert Storm, I believe, the Tripoli had actually hit a mine.
0: I remember that.
1: And if you remember the name, I, mean, that I do. Hole, no. Yeah, it, it blew a, an awful god hole in in uh, the side of that boat. And there was some loss in life in that. There was. Yeah, there was. So um, it was partly the minesweepers. It wasn't my particular uh, boat, but that basically guided the Tripoli up back out of where it was into safer waters to to, to safety. So. Oh. So yeah, I was busy. It was a very busy, very stressful, uh, very stressful time, and I'll tell you, as an eighteen slash nineteen year old kid, you grow up really quick. You're not a kid. You know? I was just you thinking really that
0: quick. Quick. is, is um, so, I have a seventeen year old right now, uh-huh. and he happens to be on a school mission trip in Arizona with the yeah. Navajo Indians. But I'm trying mm-hmm. to imagine, and that was stressful for me. Sure, but I'm trying to imagine him a year from now being yeah. deployed in a yeah. manner that you were, and yeah. I just can't. Um, and you guys did really, really important work because the net result of what you did. Mm-hmm. Added to this victory in a really important way.
1: Go Getting the shipping lanes open was huge for the, for Kuwait. Yeah, I mean they needed obviously their supplies come right. in through right. shipping areas and stuff like that. Just like And exports, every, they have and to get exports. Out. Yeah. yeah, so absolutely. So you know, there's a time constraint, but also they, and I think they they certainly understood the the uh, you know nature of the business and that it wasn't going to happen overnight. Yeah. You know that there were certain we we labeled them as uh, mine danger areas. Yeah, that we. Some we knew about and one we didn't know about. So we had to try to kind of find it. So, wow. you know, it, it took some time. But, you know, it, it, at the end of the day, it was a success. It was a success for us. It was a success for Kuwait. So. Right.
0: A huge success. And, mm-hmm. and you had no idea of knowing, obviously, how long— this conflict
1: was going to go on. No idea. So
0: it's easy for me to say here and say it was under six weeks. Wow, look at that. But that's not in your mind when you're... No,
1: you're not even thinking like that. You're thinking one day at a time. Right. You know, to be quite honest with you. Right. You know, I'm not not worried about tomorrow because I got to get through today first.
0: Right. How aware were you of what was going on on land?
1: What types Um, of reports would you get? we you know we we did we had some radio operators and stuff, so we would get some intel that would come in and and kind of give us a, an idea you know what was going on and uh you know out, out you know on land yeah. if you will yeah. and um so we were kept pretty much up to date but again, we had our own specific mission that we had to worry about, so you know we weren't we weren't really focused too much on on the outside stuff yeah there was more focusing on what what our you know our mission was an
0: eighteen and nineteen year old brave Young men, I can say, yeah. that are actually literally entrusted with the lives of how many folks Good on people. that ship?
1: Uh, we had about 70.
0: My goodness. Yeah. It's incredible. So I want to remind people, we're speaking with Rick Grover. Rick is a veteran of Desert Storm, a uh, um a conflict that seems to have been forgotten a little bit. We we are looking to overturn that today, hopefully in a small way with this program, or hopefully in a large way. My name is Jim Derrick. This is Chapters Radio. You can find us at chaptersradio.com. Uh, and this is part of a series we're going to be doing on uh, stories of our veterans. And I'm very thankful that Rick is our first guest and appreciative of, of your service. I appreciate you having me on. Um, Thank you. So, <clears throat> you know, I'm looking at some of the numbers of, these, of, mm-hmm. of this uh, conflict. And again, this is an under six. Weeks we uh, sustained 292 people uh, uh, fatalities uh, on our side. Uh, 147 were killed in enemy action. Uh, the balance were in uh, uh, non-hostile deaths. Um, we had 467 wounded in action, and, and but that doesn't quite tell the whole story. And Rick alluded to earlier the Gulf War syndrome that he himself experiences symptoms of. And um, this is something that's not only confined to you, veterans, but it's been passed along to children. Is that right? It is, yes. Yeah, that's what, that's what they've said. Um, and it's largely gastrointestinal.
1: It is, correct. Uh, lucky for me, I, I, have, I have a daughter, and I have not seen any She's twenty right now, so yeah, yeah. I haven't seen any type of uh, side effects or anything like that 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 have if you I don't even know, transferred type of thing. Right. So I haven't seen that, and I got I hope you know, Thank I God. hope that doesn't happen. Yeah, you know, but you know, it's everything from
0: um, as you mentioned earlier, memory loss. It seems to be a nervous memory system loss. types of yes, things. Yes, it is. Right, that's
1: exactly what it is.
0: Uh, you mentioned migraine headaches.
1: Yep, migraines, memory loss. Um, you know, then you get into the gastro. Sure. Stuff. And,
0: and, and, and a lot of it, there was um, a lot of uh, things. You mentioned just the inoculation process. Mm. You're not even really sure of the shots that you got.
1: No, I, I requested a copy of my uh, medical records. All right. And I, I did find my shot sheet mm-hmm. that was in there. And it seems like I should have more that should have been in there. And I'm not quite sure how to go about my getting my actual. Yeah. So Yeah. I, I, I question it. It's a question that I do have. Yeah. That, you know, is there you know, is there another sheet? Is there a a secondary sheet that's floating around somewhere that's going to tell me exactly what I had,
0: you know, when I deployed? Or I'm even thinking, institutionally, even if there wasn't a conspiracy, say, and I don't think that's what you're implying, but I'm just saying from my end, I'm thinking, well, was there some sort of a conspiracy to try something out? But let's say there wasn't. It wasn't exactly an orderly process to get your shots. No,
1: Uh, I mean, we lined up in a line and you basically walked down a line and and, and you can receive six, your shot.
0: And they're giving 600,000 people these shots. That's what we had, 600,000. 600,
1: deployed, yeah. So.
0: 600,000 deployed. I want to roll it back a little bit. And um, one of the comments that you had for me, Rick, that really got my attention, the well, first thing you said was that people don't refer to Desert Storm anymore. They don't. By name.
1: No, they don't. It's the Iraq War.
0: The Iraq War. hmm
1: And this was a completely, totally separate conflict. Total. Yeah. I mean, different presidents. I mean, Everything. I mean, this is a completely different reason that we went back in, you know, to right. Iraq and then now Afghanistan and stuff like that. So.
0: Right. And it had a a definite beginning. Mm-hmm. It had a middle and a conclusion mm-hmm. with, if people remember, yeah. the uh, ceasefire sign right. with General Schwarzkopf mm-hmm. out in the desert was yeah. orchestrated and it was orchestrated incredibly well. Correct. Um, and so this was clearly a separate conflict. Right. And, Unfortunately, we're forgetting that. And it's some of the different names that 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 are used for Desert Storm. This is just blows my mind because we don't have different names for Vietnam. We don't have different names for the Korean War. War. Right.
1: World War One was World War One. Exactly. But,
0: but Operation, uh, they, specifically, there were really two parts of de- Desert Storm. Right. And, and let's see if I get this right. There was Operation Desert, Desert Shield, mm-hmm. which was the U.S. operational name for the U.S. buildup of forces in Saudi Arabia between 2 August 90 and 16 January 91. Correct. Am I correct? That's correct. Okay. And then Operation Desert Shield was morphed into Operation Desert Storm, which was the actual air-land conflict. Right? Correct. Yeah. So people are... are I don't know what's convenient is the word, but they're forgetting this. Mm -hmm. And this is what we want to call attention to. And um, along with that, we've got, as I mentioned before, 600,000 of of our forces deployed, 4,000 Canadians, and the Canadians are commemorating this every year. And we just passed the 25th anniversary. Is that right? 2016 was the 25th anniversary. Okay. So we just passed the 27th. What is the impact? And I know that the reason why you wanted to talk today was because um, of All of your brothers and sisters that are out there, agreed that are that are facing um, the fact that this is a forgotten conflict. What do you think the impact is on the psyche from your own experience of someone that says, "Hey, I'm not even sure people remember this."
1: Yeah, it's it certainly has an effect. I mean, if I was sitting here, i didn't telling you, you know, I didn't think about it, I'd be lying. Right. You know, when you know February 28th rolls around, and you know, and I get the emails, so you know, I'm aware of the day. I mean, I know what day was the ceasefire and the conclusion to the Gulf War, um, but to, to go by year by year and just really not hear anything relative to Desert Storm, you know, um, I guess it's a little frustrating. You know, it's frustrating. It's disappointing, maybe is a good word. You know, um, we start we've really made, you know, headway with with Vietnam. You know, we talked about that a little bit earlier before we came in. Yep. You know, I mean, I've seen more things and, and I'm, it makes me so happy to see, you know, Vietnam Day or, you know, remember the Vietnam veterans on, on specific days and stuff like that. And I think that's important. I think we need to remember everybody, you know. And, and mm-hmm. again, it's not about me. As I, I, you know, it doesn't matter to me. Like I told you before earlier, I know where I was. I know what I did. I don't need, a, you know, a specific day or something like that. But I think it's important for everybody to realize that there's a timeline. And it always seems like that timeline ends in ninety and jumps back up when the Iraq War starts. Right? Do you know what I mean? Like I do. Kind of jumps. It jumps over the Desert Storm, and I and I really don't know why. I don't know why that would be. You know, it, I, I'm not sure either. And I'm not taking anything away. Believe me when I tell you, I'm not taking anything away from our current service members that are you know men and women that are that are serving every day, and and you know I respect every single one of them. Uh, and, and you know it's not them. It's it's I'm just I guess I'm just trying to figure out, you know, in my own mind, why?
0: Well, in my mind, Rick, if we don't speak up about this now and I'm now speaking up about it, um, mm-hmm. this is now in the front of my mind and we'll remain there. Um, uh, I was sharing with Rick, my son, Mike, is is very proudly serving in our uh, nation's capital for the Veterans Administration. I'm very proud of him. Um, and um, we were talking about this last night by telephone. I called him and told him you would be in. Yep. And, um, <clears throat> you know, he wasn't fully aware. I mean, he's only mm-hmm. 20, 28. what I'm saying
1: is there stuff that I mean, are they actually being taught? Exactly. And even if it's just a blurb in in time, you know, that because it really is when you look at it, it's only 42 days. Even if it's just a blurb in history, it still should be part of the history. Here's,
0: Here's my argument, Rick, that you're not speaking just for this conflict. You're speaking so that history won't repeat itself. Correct. Because if we can forget something as important important as this mm-hmm. and not commemorate it, then I would argue that we have the potential of and we run the risk of not commemorating future things.
1: Correct. We've done it with nine eleven. You know, I mean, we've every year. I mean, I, I'm sure you've seen it. Yeah. I see things on the news. You know, it's nine yeah. eleven. Everybody knows what nine eleven is. Even children who aren't even born prior to the to that terrible day right. know what nine eleven is. That's right. As well we should, by the way. I totally agree. And and, and as
0: well we should about Desert Storm. Right.
1: Right. It shouldn't be forgotten. It's still um, still a moment in history. It's a time in history that should be recognized.
0: Right. So, Rick, what do you think it is that's behind um, our our inability to remember this? Do you think what's going on with people?
1: I don't think it has anything to do with people mm-hmm. um, in general. I think, you know, our, our country is very pro-military, uh, very supportive. Uh, you know, uh, you see the, the ribbons, the yellow ribbons and stuff like that. I think we have a very supportive, very positive uh, country when it comes to our military and what these men and women are doing. Um, so I don't think it's, it's necessarily them. I just don't think that, I don't know if it's higher up or where it is, but it's just not getting out there. That We're not, we're not getting it out there.
0: So you, maybe institutionally as a government and as a people, institutionally more than the individual people.
1: Yes, absolutely. So not the individual people. No. I don't believe that for one second, no. that, you know, you and I can sit here and be like, no, we don't, we don't care what that, you know, yeah. where that veteran served or, or whatever. I don't think you'd ever see that. Right. You know, um, I just think it's in the bigger picture of things. I just don't think it's, I just think it's easily, it, it's, it's easy to overlook it. If you really think about it, it's easy to overlook because it was it. so short. Yeah, it was 42 days. Right. So yeah, I guess you know it could be easily forgotten. But I think it's our, it's our job, my job as, as as a Desert Storm veteran, and and you've taken the lead now with by doing this show and and bringing it to light. And I know Dale. Yes. Will do the same thing. That it's our job now to kind of, as is that, that organization that we spoke about earlier, to, to push it out there, yeah. to, you know, to, to give it a little kick, you know, yeah. so people do realize it and they see it and they're like, oh, yeah, you know what? I do remember that.
0: And honestly, you Rick, know? I have to tell you that it's humbling to me that I, I, I'm really like sat back in my chair when you brought this up because people can't see through the radio. Mm -hmm. There is not one ounce of anger in your eyes. Mm -mm. There's not you didn't approach this in an angry way. You simply mentioned it uh, out of the side because I happened to ask you about some tattoos uh, that told a story on your arm. Mm -hmm. And um, so I think that's really important and frankly, very humbling. And it talks a lot about the nature of. Of you and, and your brothers and, and sisters that serve, right. that you really do, that service is what you're mm-hmm. doing and that you're not asking for anything in return.
1: No, and I think if, if, if your listeners go out and they look on this website and they see some of the, the, the stuff and information that they're, that they're going to end up reading on there, they'll see the same thing. They're going to see that, you know, we're not trying to force feed this and push this down people's throats. We're just trying to make them aware, mm-hmm. you know, that this did happen. You know, and it is like I mentioned before. Well, you know, I don't want to beat it to death, but it did happen, and it's a very important part in our history.
0: Yeah. You know? What I'm going to do is I'm going to put a link to that association, the Memorial Association for uh, Desert Storm, on the podcast. I will be putting this up uh, on my Chapters Radio podcast. I'll be sharing it in various groups around uh, the community. The uh, website that we're talking about is the National Desert Storm War Memorial. It is N-D-S-W-M, as in Mary, dot .org. And on that website, you'll see all of the information relative to Desert Storm and, importantly, the memorial that they're looking to build. Uh, the memorial was approved by Congress to be built on the Washington Mall by 2021. But, importantly, you'll get a, a real history of the, uh, of the conflict itself. You'll find out uh, how you can spread the word. About uh, this conflict and see that, and help see that February 28th is commemorated. And hopefully, people will take the time to click on that and educate themselves, like I did. I'm so happy with, with what's happened with Vietnam veterans. Uh, we have a wonderful—I'm uh, going to put a shout-out to Dale again. Oh, great guy. Dale Kurtz. Incredible. veteran Service Officer here in Franklin. And, boy, he brought a couple of uh, Vietnam vets that I was honored to speak with um, through the studio a couple of weeks ago. And, and we were chatting. And, um, you know, I'm really happy about the turnaround with them. Mm, and, of course, so they've got their, their memorial. And, and there isn't a day that I don't go down to visit my son—or mm-hmm. or rather, a, a visit that I— don't attend that memorial and i don't go up to arlington every single time i go um and i think a lot of americans still absolutely um so we just don't want to see this repeat itself so so i i just want to mention again uh we are talking operation desert storm it happened um it was an amazing amazing event uh that lasted one month one week four days there were, we had our share of casualties, uh, and the casualties still unfold, unfortunately, with the health effects of this. Um, we, we are still involved there. Uh, we've been still are. over there and, and will continue to be. We need to honor those that have served, and we can't forget these important markers. I'm hoping that next February 28th of 2019, we will have a uh, commemoration I just want to thank Rick Grover for his service. I want to thank you for bringing attention to this really important issue. Um, I'm really glad I was sitting next to you because uh, I wouldn't have refreshed my awareness about this. And I am just as guilty as everybody else out there. But that ends today.
1: I appreciate I appreciate you bringing it to light. And, uh, you know, I plan on working with Dale a little bit, too, to see if we can get something maybe, you know, maybe a little little memorial or something. You know, I know it's important. Great. And, And one more time before we
0: go, I do want to mention this important organization that is working on the memorial and that Rick's a part of, to the National Desert Storm War Memorial Association. Look them up, go online, see how you can support them. And importantly, next February 28th, make sure you remember this conflict and look for a commemoration in your area. And if you don't have one, start one. So for Rick Grover, my name's Jim Derrick saying thanks for listening to Chapters Radio.